As I mentioned at the beginning, uh, we are in part three of our message series, Glory Days. And today we're going to be answering this question, what will it be? And I want to begin with, first of all, by reading to you our text. We're just looking at a short portion of God's word. It comes from Hebrews chapter uh, 10. Uh, these verses, and they'll be up here on the screen for you in just a moment. Starting at verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But our righteousness, but our, my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. Go ahead, one screen. That was the text I think I just read to you. And so you can look at that one more time. I just want to point out a couple of things. Uh, it says, so don't throw away your confidence. Be confident, people. Uh, it says you need to persevere, and that's kind of the theme for today, too. What's it going to be? Are you going to persevere or not persevere? Uh, for just in a little while, he's coming. Now, we don't know when that's going to be, but he's going to come. And it says, if you shrink back, God is not pleased. Now, if you go to the next screen, please. Now, I've been uh, watching Little League Baseball for the last week. They're getting geared up for the big deal every year in Williamsport. Uh, but I grew up playing baseball, maybe like some of you did. I played, they called it midget baseball when I first started. I guess you couldn't use that word anymore today. It gives me little, little people baseball. Uh, but then played junior legion baseball and then in, into uh, high school and so on. So I, I grew up playing a lot of baseball, and I actually even coached it again in high school. And, uh, you know, as somebody who's been attending the College Baseball World Series for about 25 years, you can probably guess that I, uh, I, I love the game. But I'm going to have to tell you, watch the Little League again, and thinking back on it, there's always one rule in baseball that I don't particularly care for. And I'm talking about the dreaded so-called run rule. Uh, the rule that says in Little League Baseball, for example, that if one team after four innings is behind by ten runs, they call it a game and everybody goes home. Now, if the home team is behind, they at least get to finish out the bottom of the fourth inning and they call the game. Now, sometimes they actually called it, when I grew up, the slaughter rule. Uh, officially, it's called the mercy rule. And that's kind of the motive behind this, well, I think, a silly rule, is that they want to show mercy and save these young people from having the trauma uh, of losing by some lopsided score. And such a loss, I'm sure it can be traumatic. I've lived through a few of those in my life. And even so, I am not very fond of that rule. I'm going to tell you why. To begin with, four innings is hardly a baseball game at all. It's hardly even half a game. And I, my personal feeling is I let the kids play, uh, if only for the practice. Instead, what do they do? They take the players off the field, filling them up with uh, pop and candy, uh, as if to say somehow uh, that's better than losing by a wide margin. But most of all, I don't like that rule because it sends kids, I think, the wrong message. We're telling them that when you're down and you're behind, you may just as well give up. Uh, we're telling them that uh, if the game doesn't go the way you hope for, it's okay 
for you to quit or have somebody quit for you. Now, maybe I'm a little bit out in left field, and that's no pun intended, but I'm wondering if this so-called mercy rule is inadvertently teaching young people the wrong kind of lesson in life and failing to teach them what they really need to know about this thing we call life. Now, I always believe as a coach it's important for kids to learn, and it's also important for adults, that would be their parents, to remember that when you play the game, you play the game all the way through, from first pitch to the last pitch or from the opening kickoff to the last tackle or whatever. You finish what you started, even when the results are not necessarily what you wanted. And it's important for the kids to learn and adults also, again, I say the parents, to remember that sometimes in life you lose and it hurts. Sometimes you lose really big and guess what? It hurts really big. But if you keep you keep on playing the game till the final out. Now, whether or not this rule should be in the books, they're not going to change it just because I don't like it. I will say that run rule or not, people of all ages need to know that in order to successfully get through life, you need to develop kind of what I would call a stick-to-it mentality. Now, maybe you've heard the old cliche that said, winners never quit and quitters never win. And it's probably true, not only for little leaguers, but for big leaguers and uh, for, for business people and for married people. Uh, it's for teachers, it's for ministry volunteers, it's for pastors. And most of all, I think it's for anybody who wants to live what we would call the Christian life. I mean, if your tendency is always to kind of roll up in the ball and quit when you fall behind, uh, chances are you're going to live kind of a somewhat miserable life. Now, more than once I've heard this said about someone. They said, quote, that person has a lot of talent, but unfortunately they've also got a lot of quit in them, always looking for an excuse to give up. Now, I say that the same thing, sadly, can be said of way too many Christians. Sometimes we've got just a little bit too much quit in us. The fact is, if you're going to make it as a Christ follower or any area of life, you've got to learn how to overcome this temptation to just roll over and quit. So again, I say we're in part three of Glory Days. We've been talking about how to make these days in Jesus the best days of our life. We've been looking at this little brief passage in the book of Hebrews. The book was written, uh, we don't know by who, but it was written for Jewish Christians, many of whom were going through some really tough times, fierce opposition, even persecution from the Roman government. Uh, and, but they were also being persecuted by fellow Jews. It was a difficult time. They were tempted to turn their back on their faith and give up. So in today's text, the writer to the book of Hebrews says, in effect, look, this is going to be okay. You know, build a bridge, get over it. Come on, let's keep moving. Uh, this is going to work out. You're going to eventually be richly rewarded. Your perseverance will pay off. You will receive exactly what God has promised to you as one of his children. It's on its way. Now, go to the next slide. In this passage, the writer of Hebrews is quoting a part of a verse from an Old Testament prophet, maybe you've never heard of, Habakkuk. be good for you to know Habakkuk in case you run into him someday in heaven and he asks, did you ever read my book? And uh, you go, what's, what's your name? You go, Habakkuk, and you say, uh, God bless you too, or something. I thought he sneezed. <laughs> but in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3, he said, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. 
Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. It kind of parallels today's text, which says, don't give up. Don't just go home because you're behind in the third inning. It's going to work out. It's coming. It will not delay. It will happen. I mean, God always does stuff at just the right time. Now, I can't read your minds. I don't know exactly what's going on in your life right now or in your families, but I'm sure that some of you might say you're going through some difficult times. Uh, We might even stop and say, you know, this is not the best of times right now for St. Mark's even. Um, You know, as we continue to look for a pastor, uh, maybe some of you would say, well, I really don't know what my finances are going to be in these next number of years. Or maybe you're suffering some form of a health crisis or somebody in your family is. Or oh, maybe serious opposition in whatever you're doing. I mean, these things kind of tend to come at us sometimes, one at a time. And sometimes you're like blasted from every direction by all of these things. Now, the message of the book of Hebrews is this. Don't look at the scoreboard just yet. And don't buy into this run rule ideology. There will be a comeback. Uh, It says, he who's coming, that's God, when God comes back, when Jesus comes back, he will not delay, and all of his promises will be fulfilled in due time. But in order for you to experience the fulfillment of God's promises, you need to put into practice the principle that we're going to talk about today. But I'm going to review them. Now, go to the next screen here. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the key word, which was renewal. And maybe you remember that you can be as close to God as you want to be, but it's up to you to draw near. Now, it's already said that he's drawn near, but then he told us, draw near to the Lord. He liked that old liturgy, let us now draw near to the Lord and confess all of our sins and like that. That's how, that's how your spiritual tank goes from empty to full. You draw near to God. Worship, Bible study, prayer, fellowship with one another. Next one. Week two, uh, we talked about reconnect. This is, uh, you pick up where your best days left off. You remember last week, it was a, can you remember what your best vacation was like? Do you remember what your worst vacation was like? Do you remember what the best time you could ever experience when you were a believer? Can you remember the worst time? Okay, go back and reconnect with the best time and work from there. Now, next one here, this is week today. The key word is resolve. Now, resolve just means a determined resolution. Now, when uh, I don't know whether you guys still do this anymore. Do you make New Year's resolutions? No. You know, my New Year's resolution every year is I resolve not to make anymore. And that's like, what are you giving up for Lent? Well, I've decided to give up giving up things for Lent. Uh, but, you know, resolutions, what you're saying is I resolve with determination to do these things in the next year. And so today we're talking about approaching our life as Christians with the same kind of resolve The same kind of determined resolution. Now, when those verses that I read to you before from Hebrews, I just want to take a closer look. The writer to the book of Hebrews is calling on us to make what I would call three resolutions so that we can experience the fulfillment of God within our lives. Now, go to the next screen here. And this is uh, resolution number one, and that is to resolve to stay confident Now, the writer of the book of Hebrews said in verse 35, do not throw away your confidence. Now, the Greek word, and I was like looking up some of these words when it says you you should hang on to your confidence. Don't throw. I wonder what confidence meant. Well, I, I discovered that the Greek word for confidence is 
paresia. Now, you're not going to remember that, but paresia, it can also be translated as courage or boldness. And whether you look at it in uh, classical Greek or in Koine Greek, which is more like street Greek, paresia always or generally refers to speech, courageous speech, bold speech, uh, candid speech, confident speech. Now, if you go to the next screen here, Quentin, uh, or as Paul used it in Ephesians 6.19, what does he say? Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will, what? Fearlessly, that's that word, paresia, make known the mystery of the gospel. Now, what the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying is don't throw away your confidence. Now, he's talking about how you talk about the situations you face. He said, don't start talking fear and defeat all the time. Now, the fact is that many people give up in word long before they give up in deed. Uh, I mean, you all know people like this. I don't know, maybe you're even a little bit like this. The very first time they see a storm cloud, you hear, oh boy, I guess this isn't going to work. Or they hear a little rumble in the distance, oh, that ruins the whole day now. Or I guess God isn't in my plans after all. Or it was a good idea while it lasted, but it's all over now. Or uh, we're so far down that any kind of comeback is totally out of the question. So let's just go home and eat a bunch of comfort food and, and on and on they go. Now, you can't talk defeat every day and expect to win. In fact, the more you, you, you talk defeat, the more you'll be defeated, the more you act defeated. In fact... You probably look defeated. That's why Hebrews says, don't cast, your, don't cast away your confidence. Don't abandon your boldness as a believer. Instead of talking defeatist kind of thing, why not talk victory talk? It says, God is in control. He has the power to turn any situation around. No matter what happens, I know he's with me. He's going to see me through because he's the Lord of my life, and he's more important to me than anything else in my life. So when your life is difficult, and I would say that everybody here today could easily stand up and say, let me tell you about a difficult time in my life. If you haven't had a difficult time in your life to this point, just wait till tomorrow or next week. It'll come sooner or later. Uh, but when life is more difficult than you want it to be, you need to resolve to face each day, not by saying, oh, good Lord, it's morning. But instead to say, good, Lord, it's morning. A little bit different. This begins with the words you speak. Now, go to the next one. Proverbs uh, 18.7 says, a fool's mouth is his undoing. I, I love the way Proverbs writes some stuff. I mean, when you start talking defeated, you're setting yourself up for your own undoing. Uh, if you want these to be your glory days, if you want to experience joy in Jesus day after day, don't be afraid to boldly speak the truth about what you know about your Lord and Savior. Uh, speak boldly about God's promises that come from God's Word in each and every situation. I, I mean, I think every once in a while that things aren't working well in my life. or not quite the way I want them to. But every time I start thinking that way, I remember one of my favorite Bible verses in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your path. Well, whenever my paths aren't straight, 
It'd be easy for me to say, God's not living up to his promises. It's all downhill from there. And I've got to remember that every promise of God in the Bible has premises. So I have to back up the wagon a little bit and say, okay, have I been trusting the Lord with all my heart or maybe just a little bit? Have I been leaning too much on my own understanding? Have I acknowledged him every step of the way? And so I've got to send back up and speak positively. That's what I'm saying. Now, this not only applies how you talk about your problems, it's really how you talk about uh, everyone around you. One reason I, I don't like hanging, this is going to sound really terrible, one reason I, I often don't like hanging around with a bunch of pastors is it because it can turn out to be a piggy party. It always starts out the same way. So how are things going as your choice? Oh, not well, the giving is down, and you know, summer people just don't come, they're always on vacation, and we... You know, we don't have blah, 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 blah. <laughs> It's like a bunch of old crows. <laughs> I just can't tolerate it. So sometimes you say, hey, I'll tell you, things are really great at our church. Word of God is being preached. Communion is being offered. People are assured of the forgiveness of their sins. And they enjoyed being together at our place today. That's a little bit better, isn't it? Makes it sound a little bit better. Now, there'll be times when you have the opportunity to speak out boldly. And I don't mean boldly bossing people around, but boldly speaking the empowering truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Or telling them without fear about the difference that Jesus can make in their life. Now I tell you, to be honest, the fact that it takes a great deal of courage to talk about Jesus in some situations. Uh, You run the risk of being ridiculed. Uh, you can be intimidated into keeping quiet. Now, I'm just saying, don't keep quiet. Uh, when you have the opportunity to speak a word that would strengthen somebody, uh, when you could encourage somebody, when you could comfort somebody, just do it. Be confident, be bold in the name of Jesus. Now, go to the next uh, slide. Uh, a week ago, I was down in prison, and Bill Hybels was uh, one of the speakers and uh, Bill Hybels pastor is one of the largest churches in America. And by the way, it's always easy when you go to conferences and you see somebody who pastors a church that seats 7,000 for you to start talking defeatedly. Oh, uh, we've only got 26 or 27. Oh, woe is us. <laughs> no, but Bill Hybels said our lives begin to end as soon as we become silent about the things that matter. I mean, what matters most to you? Now, we might say, well, my family matters most to me, my spouse matters most to me, my kids matter most to me. But I say, doesn't your relationship with Jesus matter most to you? And that's what we need to do. If you want these to be your glory days, don't be silent about what matters most to you. Resolve to speak about Jesus with fearless confidence. I mean, those who run the race well always run with confidence. I've been watching some of these Little League games and... And some of the announcers, they, they commented every once in a while, you can see that after a team scored six runs in one inning, you can see the other team, they, they go from standing like this to like this. Now, that's not a whole lot of difference, but now if you ever watch football games or basketball games, you can see when people are defeated, it just, they just slump a little bit. Their confidence is gone. So that's the very first resolution you need to make. Now, go to the next one, resolution number two which is resolved to go the distance. 
verse 36 of our text says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he promised. Now, I, I want to I want to make sure that we don't take this completely out of con- uh, context where we're going to say, by doing the will of God, that saves us. That's putting the accent on good works. That's not what I'm saying at all. But he's saying that as believers, people who have accepted him as Savior and Lord, as you persevere and you, you, maybe you're striving your sanctified life, if you will, there is a reward. I mean, it's talked about at the end of time when you're separated between sheep and goats. You don't get into the judgment line. You're there in the reward line, whatever that's going to look like. Now, I started out by talking about my opposition to the run rule, that we shouldn't quit when we're behind. But perseverance doesn't just speak uh, to how we approach losing. It also applies to the way we approach winning. Now, sometimes we quit when we're ahead. Uh, We get the idea that once we reach a certain point, we can coast the rest of the way. I had a basketball team back in the 80s that really very good, about six really good ball players, six or seven. And it seemed like every halftime, we would be up like 36 to 15 or 36 to 21, basically blowing the other team out. And I'd, pick, I'd always kind of think, well, come third quarter, we'll start putting in some of the other guys who don't have to play much. But then suddenly the game would be 39-32. And it's like and in one game I actually said, you know, if I didn't know better, some of you guys that play all the time like to keep it close so you don't have to be taken out of the game. And they all kind of went... Mm. <laughs> Not quite an admission of guilt, but you ease up and what happens. I mean, I, I'm sure you've seen that in sports. I mean, I, I love sports. A team gets way ahead, it starts getting comfortable. They stop being aggressive. They stop, uh, they start sitting on their lead and, and they, they, they figure they're going to coast to victory. The other team keeps playing. They just don't give up. They keep coming. And finally, boom, they come from way behind and they win at the end. Now, when the writer of the book of Hebrews says you need to persevere, he's not talking just about surviving bad times in your life. He's talking about surviving the good times as well. Now, how does that apply to you and me? Well, I think very simply, I know a lot of Christians, and I've been guilty of this myself, who have become so comfortable in our lives that we've kind of lost our edge. Uh, We're no longer as hungry for God uh, to use us in a great way. Uh, We're no longer sharing the good news with other people the way maybe we did at first, or we're no longer uh, sacrificing our comfort for the sake of serving other people, or we're not persevering, we're not enduring, we're just kind of, I don't know, coasting through life. And not only individuals, I know a lot of churches like this too. Their message at one time used to be, Let's tell the world about Jesus. But over a period of years, the message of the church is, we need to get this building paid for. We need to maintain the status quo and just let the, keep the machine running here. Now, churches with that kind of attitude tend to just fade into oblivion. Christians with that attitude as well. Go to the next well, you already got it up there. Thank you. Okay, a principle that every coach would do well to remember, as well as every church and every believer, everyone who wants to have a meaningful life, coasting is quitting. You can't just sit on the lead. 
whether you're behind or ahead, you play till the clock flashes zero. Uh, resolve to go the distance. Uh, next picture, I think, of Jonas Salk. Some of you, you know, those of you that are my age went through the time when polio was a big thing in our country. And I think it was Jonas Salk who discovered the cure for that. Jonas Salk said something I really like. He said, I feel that the greatest reward for doing is the opportunity to do more. Now, he's saying never coast, never quit, never sit on a lead, and resolve to go the distance, get after it, until you take that final breath. Next screen. This is just another way of putting it. You will never look back to a time in which you quit or a time in which you coasted as your glory days. Uh, I've seen that as a coach. Um, I tell you, it's hard to coach a... When I first came to Valley Lutheran High School, coming from Hong Kong, where we had pretty good success over three years, playing a lot of U.S. Navy ships and stuff, even as high school students, came to a small high school. And I still remember the first game that I coached at Valley. We didn't score a single point in the first quarter. Playing Wheaton St. Francis, we were down like 16 to nothing That's in the first quarter. And there's nothing more difficult than to get a bunch of young kids all excited about playing hard when they're down 16 to nothing. Now, I'm going to tell you, we did not, we did not win that game. But I tell you, I just kept whipping the horses. You guys got to keep playing hard. You can't roll over. You can't give up. And we ended up losing the game by about 16. We kind of played them even over the last three quarters. But you just plain simple can't give up. Because if you give up, that's a miserable existence. And the same thing, if all you're doing is coasting through life as a Christian, I don't think you'll look back at that as a glory day either. Next one. Uh, resolve to wait for it in faith and faithfulness. You know, we are an increasingly impatient people in this country with an ever-decreasing attention span. I don't know if you've noticed that. I mean, some of you checked out long ago. <laughs> Your attention span got as far as... Well, we're going into part three of our messages. Okay. <laughs> let, me give you, let me give you an example. This, this one really got to me. The average visitor to a website stays between 10 to 20 seconds before they choose to move on. You ever surf the web? You find a new site, you kind of, mm, no. I mean, can you believe it? Our, our, our attitude is, I'm going to give this website or this site, or this page, or this article, about 15 seconds to entertain me, or I'm out of here. That's why wait for it has become a real catchphrase these days. I don't know if you ever noticed this thing, wait for it. You often see it on videos that get posted on Facebook. If you have Facebook, it'll say, wait for it. It means that something unique is about to take place, but it might take more than those 10 to 20 seconds that you're going to allow that page. So don't go away too soon. Now, in that verse I shared with you before from Habakkuk, that's exactly what he's saying about the fulfillment of God's promises. He says, though they linger, though it linger, the promises of God, wait for it. And that's what Hebrews is saying. He's saying God's promises will come true in your life. Wait for it. Don't throw away your confidence. Don't quit. Don't coast. Go the distance. 
Next screen, verse 38, he quotes again, But my righteous one will live by faith. In the message, translation puts it this way, Anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal trust. And this is essential. If you want to, these days, and I had somebody again the other day ask me, he said, so what are you doing in your retirement years? Oh, I hate being asked that question. I don't know, the longer I'm, quote, retired, the more I hate that question. But I generally just smile and say, no, I only retired from pastoring a church. I have not retired from ministry. In some ways, I'm more excited about some things I do than ever before. Uh, but that, that's because I don't want to, you know, I've often said, when I go out, I want to go out like Elijah. Carry the fire. Better to burn out than rust out. Uh, that's why if you looked, walked into our guest bedroom uh, at our house, we have a painting on the wall of Elijah in the fiery chariots. Be a hard, I think I was thinking, but it must be a hard place for a guest to sleep walking in. Going to... <laughs> Laying on that in the middle of the night, you can hear the horses come in the chariot. Um, but I, I want my days to be glory days. I just I don't want to just ooze out of this life. Which means you, you need to be willing to stay faithful to what God has called you to, even while you wait for that promise. Now, the promise, you might say, I'm going to remain faithful until God just chooses to take me home. Go to the next one. William Carey. He's one of my favorite guys. Uh, I spoke about him at a pastor's conference in, um, I think I was either in Kazakhstan or in, maybe in Brazil, I was talking about, the, about modern missions. But uh, William Carey is often called the father of modern missions. Uh, the number of people who have been brought to Christ through the influence of his ministry are way too many to number. And yet when he began his a ministry in India, he worked for seven years before ever baptizing his first convert. Now imagine, seven years, zero results, and yet he remained faithful. I mean, can, can you imagine that? Seven years and seeing no visible, I say visible, results. Now I'm going to compare that to a church I heard of recently that hired a brand new youth minister in May of this year. May. May 2015. Three months later, during his first evaluation, he was told by one of the members of the church leadership committee, we are concerned that we haven't seen any growth in the youth group yet. They were having second thoughts about continuing uh, him, and they were doing this after only giving him Three months. Yeah, when I heard this, I thought, man, you've given him the worst three months for a youth director. You've given him May, June, July. It's really kind of hard uh, to, to do this. But see, sometimes it takes longer to actually see some results, uh, even when you know that you're moving in the direction that God wants you to move. See, it's essential that we learn to wait in faith. And I want to make it clear, waiting in faith means remaining faithful to him also as you wait. Go to the next picture. There's another guy you probably never heard heard of. His name is Washington Gladden. Uh, but back in 1879, uh, Washington Gladden, who was a pastor, had become completely discouraged 
with his uh, ministry efforts. He had been serving God in his church for years. He just was not seeing anything. In fact, he wasn't even necessarily seeing growth. He was seeing the opposite of growth. And he began to despair. And in the years to come, his life would have tremendous impact. He, he ended up writing a whole lot of books, published a magazine, and was one of the most influential voices that shaped cultural values in the 20th century. He also became, ultimately, the pastor of a really big church in Columbus, Ohio. But on one day in 1879, he couldn't see what was yet to come. He was so discouraged. He, all he could see was discouragement. And so he, one Saturday afternoon, decided to climb to the top of the church and to the bell tower to be alone, to think for a while. And the first thought that came across his mind was just to jump out of the bell tower kill himself, and his troubles would go away. But instead, he sat there for a while, and he began to pour his heart out to God, and he put into words what would ultimately become a very powerful hymn. And it's that hymn verse. We don't have it in the Lutheran hymnal. But it says this, O Master, let me walk with thee in lowly paths of service free. Tell me thy secret. Help me bear the strain of toil, the fret of care. I don't know if you know what he's saying. He's just saying, Lord, I resolve today just to wait for you in faith and in faithfulness. Now, that's what living in faith means. You're staying faithful while you wait. And waiting is not passive. And neither is faith. I mean, living by faith means you stay engaged in the life that God's called you to, uh, even though you don't have the results you want today. See, God's... Have faith in God is always faith in his timing. You wait for it. Now, go to the next uh, picture. Uh, I also like to watch a little boxing from time to time. Uh, I don't know why, just kind of interesting. But in a boxing match, when a fighter is too beat up to continue, what does he or his manager do? Instead of continuing, he or his manager tosses the towel into the ring. You know, you heard that before. I'm not throwing in the towel. That signals defeat. When you throw in the towel, you say, I quit, I lose, I'm done. And the announcer comes out and he says, um, the match is over, they've thrown in the towel. Now, there's another phrase that comes from the world of boxing that I want us to consider. And this is, if you go back to the good old days of boxing, it used to be that spectators at the boxing match would be invited to come out of the stands and have a go at one of the pros. And the announcer would come out and say, who wants to take on our champ? Go to the next picture. Throw your hat in the ring. The man who decided that he was willing to get up there and box whoever that person would be would accept the challenge by throwing his hat in the ring. Now, this is back in the day where all men generally wore hats all the time, and they were very valuable, so they knew that if they threw their hat in the ring, the only way they were going to get that hat back was how? Get in the ring and battle whoever was in the ring. Now, in other words, to throw your hat in the ring was to accept a challenge from which you could not back down. Now, maybe you can probably already figure out where I'm going with this. But let's say in your family, in your marriage, in your business, in the ministry of this church, St. Mark's Mineral Wells, 
In, in your life as a follower of Jesus Christ, you can either throw in the towel or you can throw your, your hat in the ring. It's really one way or the other. You can either let yourself be run ruled or you'll fight all the way to the finish. So this is the choice you make every day. And every day it's this. By your words, by your actions, and your attitudes, you will throw one or the other. You've got a towel in one hand and your hat in the other. So I end today's message by asking you, what's it going to be? A towel or a hat? I don't know about you. But I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and fight on.